Can you really be that stupid? What are you talking about? Where were you last night? I was out with the guys. Why? Well, because you didn't even tell me. You just didn't come home from work. I don't think I have to read. I told you to take your allergy medicines. You're not sleeping at night. You're snoring all the time. They're asking me a thousand questions. I don't ever do myself. I'm busy out there trying to make room and do instead of just homework. Don't talk to myself. You go ahead and work. I'll talk to him. Why you're not doing? We need to grow up. So you really just need to sit down now. You just act like such a baby all the time. It just needs to get better. This is why the get up there. Six in the morning. I just need to get better. I'm the man of the house. I get to say. I'm telling you what I mean. You don't understand, but you're not paying attention. You don't listen. You're on your phone. You're working. You're distracted. So as we think about marriage, oftentimes we think about relationships that they look one way on the outside and then on the inside, they seem to be wasting away somewhat. Well, today I want to address some of the things about how we begin to move forward. And I think the key word in all of today's message is this idea of intentionality, intentionality. And so as uh, you join us, we're grateful that you're at Stone Point this weekend. And uh, we thank you for joining us online, but also at the Edgewood campus. And uh, we look forward to see what God teaches us this morning. As I think about intentionality, it reminds me of a story that I was reading just a couple of weeks ago. I was sitting in bed with Kelly and we were talking uh, about our anniversary and I'd read a story and I was just laughing out loud because uh, of what I had just read. And she goes, well, what, what's going on? And I was like, well, I, I want to tell this story uh, at Stone Point. And uh, I was like, because I think this sums up marriage and intentionality. And she goes, well, well, what is it? Well, it was about this couple and this, they were getting ready to celebrate a significant milestone and an anniversary in their relationship and their marriage. And uh, the husband was just trying to figure out like, hey, baby, what do you want for our anniversary? Like, how can I bless you in some way? How can I really do something significant? And I don't know about if it's the same way in every relationship as it is, say, just in mine, but oftentimes it's really difficult for me to read my wife's mind. It's also equally as difficult for her to come out and just tell me something like, hey, this would be a blessing. Hey, why don't you get this for me? Outside of like, hey, I could use some new pajamas or something. And so this guy was trying to figure out like, hey, what would be significant? And uh, he goes, baby, I, I've asked you this question. You, you won't really tell me. And uh, finally she goes, I just want something that's silver and goes from zero to 150 uh, in about six seconds. Why don't you do that for me? And so he thought about it. And on their anniversary, he presented her with a scale. It was silver and it went from zero to 150 within six seconds, okay? For some of you, you'll get that here in a little while. I recommend wholeheartedly that you don't get that for your spouse. But here's the deal. I, I think that marriage should be fun. Marriage should be enjoyable. And I think the tragedy with marriage is that we oftentimes think that we get married, we settle down with some, someone, and it just has to be mediocre at best. And we even talked about that last week, that the goal of marriage is not to just be apathetic and to have a mediocre relationship. Matter of fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9 says this, Enjoy life with the wife whom you love, and all the days of your uh, 
all the days of your life that he has given you under the sun. So like, hey, make sure that you enjoy that. Uh, Proverbs chapter five, verse 18 and 19 says this, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound all that dull. That sounds like a fun-filled marriage. I think the way that God intends it to be. A marriage is not supposed to be two people that, uh, that at one point kind of fall in love and then just all of a sudden they go, you know what, we're just going to kind of put it on coast and you're just going to ride this thing out. And if you don't divorce, then you figure out a way just to tolerate each other. I don't think that's the goal. Matter of fact, there's a guy named uh, Justin Buzzard. How, how would you like that name, right? Uh, but he actually wrote this book and um, he says, these are, these are really the steps in a relationship. He goes, you have a guy and he finds a girl that he likes. He convinces her to like him back. After she likes him back, he convinces her to, to like him enough to eventually marry him. They get to step four, which is relax in the relationship. And step five is, is to find a way then just to manage life together. And so you manage bills, house, conflict, kids, and work schedules. But for that really is all that you do. And it's just this mediocre status quo kind of life. And I just don't think that's really what I get out of Ecclesiastes chapter nine and Proverbs chapter five. I think the goal of marriage is that it should be fun and enjoyable. And after all, isn't that really the goal of the church? Like, shouldn't the church be a delight, a pleasure to be a part of? Shouldn't it be fun? Shouldn't you laugh a little bit? Shouldn't you enjoy the presence of many witnesses? And I think the answer is yes. And so the, I think the goal is the same for marriage. Matter of fact, Justin Buzzer would say in the w- book, Date Your Wife, he says, the most rebellious countercultural thing that you could do in our culture is to be happily married until death do us part. And the question is, is that really happening? Well, statistics tell us that right now, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And the crazy part about that statistic is that it's very similar within the church just as much as it is in the culture. And so the most countercultural thing that you and I could do is we've talked about this idea of marriage and life behind closed doors is to come out behind our secrecy, pretending that life is okay, then one day filing uh, a paper in front of our kids and in front of our spouse saying, you know what, I've been unhappy for a long time. But what if we began just to talk through some of our challenges in marriage? What if we began to be life-giving? What if we began to have conversations about how we could have healthy marriages? Because God didn't create us to have a mediocre relationship with our spouse. Matter of fact, I don't think God created us to have mediocre relationship with him. And I will tell you, I think every single relationship with your spouse will go with the ebbs and flows of the relationship you have with your heavenly father. If you're not desperately seeking him and abiding in him, you will not desperately pursue or seek your wife or your husband. It just won't happen. Why? Because I think over time, we finally get to this point where work and routines and kids and responsibilities kind of catch up and creep in and we just kind of get to coasting. And as we coast along, we just don't see a whole lot of delight in our relationships. We just are who we are. We do what we do. And I don't think that's God's plan. And so if that's not God's plan, then the goal is, is how, how do we improve that? And so last week we talked about just a handful of things that could really improve that. And so we talked about that you could be a selfless servant, 
um, that you could become vulnerable with your spouse, that you would not only serve them, but you would share with them what's going on in the deep crevices of your isolation. We talked about what it would look like if you were uh, to reject mediocrity and that you were really going to pursue each other, that you would be learners of each other and learners of good marriages, that you would be disciples of other marriages that are successful. And then the last one is that you would continue to embrace the hope of Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers through marriage. And so that's kind of the goal. And so if you begin to improve, the question is, is how do you keep from sliding backwards? Okay. And so I'm going to just give you another practical this message this week. And the goal of practicality is to remind me. And I hope that it's a blessing to you because I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm foolish. And sometimes I have to just be reminded. And so I'll tell you, every six months, I set new goals for our church, for me, and for really, I think the direction of the discernment that God has for me in the church. And I put it on a huge, big old huge uh, poster and I keep it folded up in my backpack and I can pull it out and I can tell you the strategic steps that I'm gonna take in the next 30 days, the steps that I'm gonna take in the next six months. And I have to continually pull that out and I have to continue to look at it. And here's why, because I am apparently ADHD or ADD, I don't know. I can't even tell you the difference between the two. So there's the goal. But the key is I oftentimes just, I I just shift focus and I can easily do that. And so I have to be reminded. And today is just a reminder to me. And I pray it's a reminder to you to continue to have a healthy marriage relationship that life behind closed doors is not different than what you are in front of every single other person. And so the question is, is what do you do? I think there's just a couple of, of quick things. One, is that you would honor one another, that you would honor one another. The goal of honoring one another is kind of the idea of Hebrews chapter 13, verse four. And it just says, let marriage, what be held, not, you know, uh, but let marriage be held and honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. And so the goal is, is not, uh, to, not to verse 14, but Verse four, okay? Uh, And so let marriage be held in honor among all and let marriage be undefiled. That's the goal. And so as you look at marriage, it says, hey, it should be held in honor among who? All, that's the goal. So everyone should hold marriage to be God's way of showing his grace and his forgiveness and his hope and an everlasting covenant, not only to his people, but also through spouses, and so if, if, if no one in our culture is going to really honor marriage, the question is, is will you? And you go, well, how do I honor marriage? I think there's a few simple ways. One is that you got to realize whose institution marriage really is. Like whose institution is marriage? The marriage institution is not the state of California's. It's not the state of New York's. It's not even the state of Texas. We don't get the right to discover at some point what the marriage institution is. If God is supreme truth and truth is only found in his word, then he has to be the what? Insight to what marriage is. And if he's the insight to what marriage is, and he says, this is what should be honored, then the question is, is what is it? Well, here it is. It is two people who were created in his image who would pursue each other that are both male and female. And that they would what? Leave their father and mother and they would cling together as one flesh. That means that they would leave their father and mother and they would cling together. So that means that in in order to honor the marriage relationship, it's not just a heterosexual relationship. 
It's not just a man and a woman who get together and he convinces her to like him and they live together. That's not the goal. Matter of fact, that's a distorted view of marriage. A great view of marriage is two people who are leaving the care of their father and mother to be united together. Then they bring all things together under one roof, under a unified purpose given by God to display to the world what marriage should be. That's the goal. And so you start thinking about honoring each other. Then the first is to just realize like how you honor God. Now, here's what I want you to realize. Before Kelly became my wife, she was my sister in Christ. I don't know about you, but you start thinking about that. Any relationship that I would have with her physically or intimately before she was my wife, she was my sister. I don't know about you, but that's pretty gross, isn't it? When you start thinking about that, that's the view that God has of a distorted relationship between a man and a woman. The goal is that we realize that you become a wife when you can make a sacred covenant together to be a man and a woman pursuing God together. Now, for some of us in this room, they go, wow, that's kind of hard to hear. And I realize that. And the goal is not to guilt you. The goal is to free you up. I, I'm not trying to, to tell you what you shouldn't do as much as I want just God to bless you. I want God to bless your relationship. And I'll tell you, the greatest way that God blesses your relationship is when you do things the way that he encourages you to do it. Why? Because he wants to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He wants to protect you from all the things that you will potentially bring on yourself from doing it your way. And so that's the goal. And so first you honor God's view of marriage. Then you honor one another. And so when you start thinking about honor one another, what does that mean? Well, I think it's just honoring the roles that you have. I mean, think about it. God created man to be a man and he created a woman to be a woman. Now for us in this culture, and even Genesis three tells us that a woman is going to want to usurp her husband's authority. And I'll tell you, we have had a lot of tension for a long time with men and women. We see it in the workplace. We have seen it in the church. We've seen it in roles. We've seen all of those things. And I want, you to, I want you to hear something. I think that women are as equally important and viable as their husband. I think that a woman's role in the business place and in the church is important, very important. But what I also want you to hear is this, God has also given some roles in marriage that as they're important and they are equally important, they are different. And unless we understand and honor each other and then embrace each other's differences, we're gonna continue to butt heads. And so how do we honor one another? We, we honor each other by going, okay, if God's the one who created the institution of marriage, then surely he's the one who defined the roles in marriage. And if he defined the roles in marriage, then what would it look like if we just embraced the differences that we had? You remember last week in Genesis chapter three, you, you saw that they were naked and unashamed until they sinned and they uh, ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then what? Shame came in and they began to hide all their differences. And we've been doing that ever since. What if we just uncovered our differences and said, hey, this is the way that God made me. This is the roles that we should live. And we just embrace that. And so what are they? Here's it, here it is. As a man, here's what you're to do. You are to love you are to cherish, you are to provide for, and you are to care for your wife. You are to nurture them, to love them. You should never demean them. You should never feel like you're superior to them. You should never threaten them. You should never talk down to them. You should never use your physical strength to overpower them because it doesn't honor God in the role that he's given you. You are to be, as we talked about last week and the week before, you are to be a picture of Jesus. 
you are to display the love and the hope of the forgiveness of God to your wife. And you do that by a gentle meekness, not by a domineering might. Ladies, you go, how do I embrace my role? If he's supposed to lead our family, then how do I, and he's supposed to love me and cherish me, then what am I supposed to do? Here's the deal. You are to, you are to follow him and to be a suitable helper, Genesis 2.18. You are to come alongside and you are to respect him. Now you go, well, what if I don't have a man that's worthy of respect? Well, if you marry crazy, then you have to embrace 1 Corinthians 7. And that means what? That you would be reminded of that marriage can be hard. Marriage is hard, isn't it? But the key is, is that you would continue to be faithful in spite of a difficult situation. Now, I'm not advocating that you would stay in a relationship that you're not honored and that you're hit or that you're physically abused in some way. Uh, what I am advocating is, is that if, if your husband is just a numbskull and he's just not wanting to follow Jesus, then here's the deal. You married that, and so be a faithful example to him as much as you possibly can. That's how you love and honor and respect each other. And so that's the goal. The second thing is, is that as you start thinking about this, you need to realize that if you're not gonna honor your marriage, no one else will. I mean, think about that for just a second. If you're not gonna honor your husband, listen, your girlfriends won't. If you're not gonna honor your wife, hey, the guys that you get together with and you do NASCAR celebrations with, they're not gonna honor your wife either. I I want you to realize that when men and women get together and you're not honoring the covenant marriage that God has given you, your friends will try to convince you and devalue the very relationship that God has given you. And you've got to be very careful about that. And here's why, because this is God's institution. He put you together, yoked you together because that's what you chose. And now you need to be faithful in that. And so the goal is to honor one another. The second thing though, is as you honor each other, you got to prioritize this relationship. Like if it's not a priority to you, it's not going to be a priority to anyone else. And I'll tell you here, I think is what happens. Just as you saw that uh, Justin Buzzard wrote in his book, step five, you kind of start doing bills together. You do life, you have children, you do work, and you just kind of maintain the status quo. That's what happens when you don't prioritize the relationship. So prioritizing the relationship is realizing what God has done for you. And it's just the picture of Genesis chapter two, verse 24. Therefore, what? A man shall leave his father and mother and what? He should what? Hold fast to the covenant that he's made with his wife. So they should pursue one another. Genesis 2, 24, they should love one another. And the goal is, is that you would pursue one another. And so let me ask you a question. Men, if I were to go to your wife today and I were to catch her somewhere on one of our campuses and I were to say, hey, do you feel like your husband pursues you well? What would she say? Like, when's the last time that you just pursued each other well? And I get it. You go, well, I, I, we just can't. Our life is busy. Our, our, our life is hectic and it's crazy. And I hear people tell me all the time. They go, Brandon, you just don't understand. And I'm like, hold on, wait for just a second. I do understand. I do understand busyness. I do understand the challenges of life. I do understand business. I do understand work. I do understand long hours. I understand lots of kids. I understand new ventures. I get all of that. But the deal is, is this, if you don't prioritize the relationship that God has ordained for you to have, that you chose however many years ago, whether it was last year, five years ago, 10 years ago, or for some of you, 35 or 40 years ago, if you don't prioritize that relationship, no one else will. And so you go, 
well, what does that look like? Well, here's practically speaking what it looks like. I think daily you should have conversation with your spouse. And when I say conversation with your spouse, I'm talking meaningful. I'm not talking about, hey, babe, are you going to pick up the kids today or am I? I'm not talking about, hey, will you drop this off over at, 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 the, uh, at the tax office so that they can get our stuff done? That's not meaningful conversation. And so just practically speaking, one of the things that Kelly and I have had the practice of doing, I think many of you are aware of it, is that we have coffee time. And every evening, you go every evening, I'm like, every evening. Every evening we have coffee time. And it means that we put our kids down at a decent time and then we spend an hour, if not two, and we just, we talk. Sometimes we pray together. Sometimes we look at Pinterest together. Sometimes we look at new projects together. Sometimes we go out in the garage and we paint furniture together. Sometimes we order plants together. It, it just is just every night can be different. And it's not like we have this set routine other than the fact that we know that we're going to put on a pot of coffee and that we're going to enjoy time together. And we do that every day. If I'm out on business or I'm out of the country or if I'm traveling somewhere, which has happened a whole lot this last year, I, I call her every night and we have meaningful conversation for about an hour before we both go to bed. And the goal is that just daily we connect. Now, for some of you in here, you go, that's so unrealistic for us. And here's the deal. Maybe it is. Maybe you need to figure out a different daily routine. Maybe it's 15 minutes at the end of the workday. Maybe it's 20 minutes. I don't know what it is, but think daily. What can I do daily to connect? That's the key. What can I do daily? Then the question is, what can you do weekly? Like, how do we connect weekly? And so I have Fridays off. And so on Fridays, I try to every single week prioritize a Friday around Kelly every Friday. It's whatever she wants to do. And so for her, she loves to do estate sales and junking. And here's the deal. I have a little girl that's at home with us and she loves it too. And she doesn't love it because we're going to a garage sale or an estate sale. Here's why she loves it. Hey, daddy, where are we going to eat today? Like, it's like, what's for lunch? Can we go to Panda? Can we go to Chick-fil-A? Hey, dad, where are we going? And so it's just kind of a double date. And here's the deal. We, we just enjoy that time together. And we do that every Friday. And every Friday looks different. For some Fridays, we'll go to Hobby Lobby. For some days, we'll go to Belk. For some, I mean, it just doesn't matter. It's just like, hey, here it is. And some days she's like, hey, I just want to stay home and I need to clean the house because it's a wreck and I feel like everything's exploded and I need your help. And I go, yes, ma'am, I would love to help you. And so it's just a, a weekly thing. You just weekly. And then here's the deal. How do you think beyond weekly to monthly and quarterly? Think monthly. Can we have a monthly date night? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Every month I can have a date night. And that means that we uh, either we hire a sitter for our kids or we ship them off to one of the, the grandma's house. Either way, we just go once a month, we know we can get together and have a date night. And that date night can change too. But the deal is, is what would it look like if it had some spontaneity to it? What if it was just different than just the normal, hey, I'm going to go watch this new movie that's out and go to dinner? What if you had some fun? What if you were active? What if you did something that was a blessing to each other? Encourage you to think through that. So think through that. That's very practical, isn't it? That's what prioritizing the relationship. And here's the deal too. Every single one of you, just like Christmas, there's an anniversary. And at every anniversary, you could think, how can I have a significant getaway once a year? whether it be two days or three days where you would just enjoy. So last year we went to New York. It was our 15 year anniversary. Now this is 16. You go, well, what are you going to do this year? And I would tell you, we're not going to New York. <laughs> don't think money. Don't think spectacular. Think, how do we just get away? How, can, can we do a hotel? Could we, um, you know, 
do Airbnb? Could we just get something? Could we go to Rockwall? Whatever. Just think practical, but think intentional. Be planning. Don't let it slip up on you. And here, I think, is the key. Remember the word intentional? Intentional. If you don't plan ahead, it will not happen. It just won't happen. If you don't figure a way out to do it, it won't happen. And so I encourage you to pursue one another and pursue each other well. So you do that by prioritizing the relationship. And then thirdly, is you purposely pursue each other. It's the idea of Philippians 2, 3, and 4, which we talked about last week. And so it's just doing nothing out of what? Rivalry or conceit, but in humility, it's consider other, uh, others better, better than yourself. So what does it look like if you didn't look only to your interests, but to the interest of others? What would it look like if you began to find a way to pursue and prioritize the relationship in a way that says, hey, I don't want to just live together until we divorce or until we just make each other absolutely miserable. Like the goal of marriage is not to live together for the next 30 years and absolutely live on different ends of the house, different beds. And it always surprises me when I think of couples and they go, well, that's my, my, my room and that's my bathroom and, and that's my room and that's my bathroom. And I'm like, I, I just, I struggle to understand that. And here's why is because what happened over time is you stopped pursuing each other. You stopped honoring the goal of marriage. And see, the goal of marriage is not to be happy, but it's to glorify God. And if you were able to bring that back and you were to think, okay, pursuing and purposely pursuing each other is more about what God's doing in us and through us than it is just about us being happy, I think you've got a pretty solid goal there. For instance, think about this. If all the fun that the world sees is through your marriage, then what does the world see? If all the the world sees through your relationship and your faithfulness is to your wife or to your husband, what does the world see? And so the question is, is you're speaking something, what are you saying? Are you saying that you're purposely pursuing each other? And I think the answer for most of us in this room is that we're probably not all satisfied with where we are in our marriages. We feel like there's a step that we could take. There's a, a level that we could move to. And so the question is, is, if you start thinking about honoring and being intentional and purposely pursuing one another and carving out all these times, the question is, is what in the world has been wreaking havoc for so long? Like what has been knocking you off track? Well, Song of Solomon tells us that it's probably something you didn't expect. And it's the pesky little foxes. You go, what? I mean, think about a, a fox. Like a fox is a cute little creature. Did you know that? Like, I mean, you look at them and they're pretty mesmerizing and they're about 15 inches tall. They're not real big guys. But I'll tell you what, if you were to let them go in a vineyard, they would wreak havoc. They would dig holes. They would uh, kill things, stir things up. And they, at the end of the day, would create so much distortion in your garden that you would go, I don't think they're very cute anymore. Okay. Matter of fact, Song of Solomon says something about that. And so in Song of Solomon chapter two, verse 15, it says this, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards for our vineyards are in uh, blossom. So what is it? Catch the foxes. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means in Song of Solomon. This is a love book, right? It's talking about marriage and enjoying the relationship that you have with your spouse. And then it's like, catch the foxes. It's kind of out of nowhere. What the goal is, is this, find the things that are eroding away at your relationship and catch them. 
Just as you pursue your spouse, just as you're intentional about your spouse, just as you honor them, the thing is too, you better have your eyes open to the things that are actually the pesky, sneaky little things that are creeping into your schedules that you oftentimes don't think much about. And so what are a few of them? Well, here's a few. Just the thing, if you think, let's catch the foxes, okay? What are the foxes? One of them is just selfishness. We talked about that last week. At the heart of every problem in our marriage and in our relationship comes down to James chapter four, verse one, two, and following. What is it that causes fights and quarrels among us? It is our selfishness, okay? At the end of the day, we like to do what we want to do. So think about that for just a second. If you're in here and you're like, man, my, my relationship is kind of dull. It's not all that exciting. It's not all that vibrant. I could be wrong, but I bet I would say, well, I bet all you're doing is pursuing your hobbies. I, I, I mean, you're, you're carrying her along on all your hunting trips. You're carrying her along on all your NASCAR trips. Every time you go to the casino, you're like, hey, baby, this, come on, let's go. But the last, when's the last time you gardened with her? When's the last time you painted a bathroom with her? When's the last time that you looked on Pinterest together? Like, like the question that you just have to ask yourself is this, are you selfish? And the answer is, yeah, I think we can tend to be selfish. And so that leads to complacency. We talked about that last week. And so these are just reminders real quickly. Complacency. Complacency happens when we just slowly settle in and we are okay with mediocre results. If the display of the gospel is through your marriage, we should never settle for mediocre marriages, ever. You should never be okay with just paying bills together. You should never be okay with just raising a few children together. You should never be okay with that. The goal is, is to make it vibrant and fun. And I'll tell you, I don't think that starts when you finally kick your teenager out in a couple of years. I think it starts now. They need to know what a healthy relationship look like. Another one, another pesky little thing is what I think you call social media. Um, just TV in general, screen time, technology, all these different things. And so for, in some cases I go, hey, maybe you should pursue Pinterest together. Yes, I think that's cool. But I also think you should limit your time. And for some of us in this room, Facebook consumes way too much of your time. So does Snapchat, so does Pinterest, so does every other little app that you have. And for some of you that if you were to just monitor your screen time, you would look up and you would realize that you have way too much of it that you're sitting on your, your rump too much, you're watching too much TV, and you're, you could be pursuing each other well. And that's just one of those things that you need to look at. Here's why. Because as you're on social media, the more isolated and disconnected that you become. And you go, no, 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 I, that connects me more. I get to see more friends and more relationships. And the answer is, yeah, you might get to see more of that stuff, but there's not a single one of those that, that has picked up the phone and called you this week and asked you how you're doing. There's not a single one of them that prayed with you before you went to bed that night. The bottom line is, is that you can't allow media and technology and all the other things to what? Kick us off track. And so if you, you go, oh, I just need a helpful reminder about that. I encourage you to go back. And last year we did a series called Media and My Family. And we talked about how we can be nimrods and that we can use a good thing called technology and it can become very bad in our life. I encourage you to go back and check that out uh, because it would be a blessing to you to remind you that technology can be a problem. I'll tell you this, one of the reasons that technology has been a problem, and I know of it happening in this community, and it even happened early on in the life of our church, is that there was a, a person here that they entered into infidelity via Facebook, a reconnection of a past acquaintance. 
And the deal is, is this, is you just have to be careful about that. I'm not saying that always happens because I don't think it always does, but it can. And we just need to guard our hearts and our minds. And I think one of the things we have to think is, is what do we allow to put in our schedule? The other one is, is to realize that not just those things, but I think video games are huge. What I mean by that is video games, just so you realize this, are not mostly played by nine-year-olds. The top person right now online at midnight is a 35-year-old male adult. That is the top gamer in our society, spending thousands upon thousands of dollars on games via online. And so I tell you, there's a lot of apathetic relationships because the husband doesn't go to bed with his wife. I'll, I'll tell you, back when I was foolish, I was 28 before I had kids and I would play video games far more than I invested in the relationship that I had with my wife. And it was a problem. And my wife was gracious and she never really said it. But as I look back, I go, I was such a nimrod because I didn't pursue her well. And so we still had a relationship. We still did some coffee time occasionally, but as soon as she went to bed, I'd go and I'd play games for a couple hours. I can't tell you the last time that I stayed up late. I can't tell you the last time that I've viewed screens more than an hour in a week just because I realized at some point that it wasn't meaningful for me. And so just something to think through. The other one is this, a, a fox of busyness. That I think is one that we can all understand, right? Like just a busy schedule. There's always something or something or someone else that needs your time and attention. And so the question is, is what are you going to give your time and attention to? You need to think through that. You need to have a conversation. You need to monitor and say, hey, what is it that's getting me? And then I think the last one is this idea of boredom this idea of boredom. Like, why are you bored? Why is your relationship so dull? And I think it comes back to this, is what are you investing in your time in? Are you being intentional? Are you really thinking out what a marriage is, how you would honor God through your marriage, honor one another, live intentionally, and pursue each other vigorously? Are you doing that? And if not, you go, no, and I'm bored. And so the goal is, is how do we get out of that? Here's how. Andy Stanley wrote a book years ago. It was called The Principle of the Path. And here's all, I can sum it up for you real quick. The Principle of the Path simply means this, is that you're never going to get anywhere based off of your intentions, but solely off your choices. Think about this for just a second. When you got married and you were eating cake and you were drinking punch and you had all the people around you at your a ceremony and you were celebrating together and you were laughing and you were dancing and you were having fun and everybody was, was encouraging you and you were having a blessing. Like you didn't take a bite of cake, look at your spouse and say, man, my intention is to be divorced in five years. Man, I would love for this thing to come crashing down 18 years in. Like you never said that, did you? No, it's just because of when you ask a first grader, like a first grader, hey, what do you want to do for a living? They don't tell you, hey, I don't want to do anything. I want to grow up and I want to do drugs and sit on my mom's couch. Like they're never going to say that. Why? Because we never have those type of intentions. You never intended for your relationship to come boring and dull and meaningless. That was never your hope when you got married. The question is, how did it happen just over time? foxes reeked your garden and you allowed just some things to settle in and you look up and you go, how did I get here? Well, it was just a choice after a choice after a choice. And so how do you change it? One choice at a time. 
And so this week, you go, you know what? This week, we're going to daily pursue each other some way. We're going to weekly pursue each other. We're going to monthly pursue each other. Hey, quarterly, we could do something together. Hey, yearly. And just begin to allow God to breathe fresh and new on a marriage that doesn't look as good behind closed doors. And so let me pray for you and may your hearts be encouraged. God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the blessing of your word. We thank you that you can encourage our hearts and I pray that you would speak boldly to them. God, I pray that this message would be an encouragement to many of us in here to pursue each other intentionally and that our goal would be to to figure out a way to love our spouses better, to honor them, to cherish them, to care for them, to purposely pursue each other. And while we think about this topic and it doesn't sound all that great, Lord, I pray that they would realize that this is a game changer for the relationship. That if we're going to seek to improve, we've got to We've got to guard our hearts and our minds and we've got to guard our time and our boredom and our energy and our choices. And I pray God that you would help us to make choices that honor you and that we would be a blessing to all that we come in contact with. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.